Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC replay. We, I'm Noel, and I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's for real. I'm Corey. I might need more than a minute, but no, no, you get one minute. This is oh, not a no. Michigan. Okay, this hold is not on. a U of M podcast. It's not. I'm not gonna go on a big tent. It'll be like a minute. It's not gonna be more. It'll. It'll be. It'll be just. It'll be crisp and clear, and we'll we'll get on with the rest of our podcast because there's so much to talk about. And other than this moment right here. I'm not a happy camper right now when it comes to the majority of our, of our teams in, in Detroit. Um, but we can get to that later. We can get to the good. So, obviously, everybody knows, diehard Michigan fan. Had an opportunity to go to the Michigan-Ohio State game. This is my third time going. Um, have, I have yet to see Ohio State lose to Michigan um, in any sort of fashion since 2011. I remember sitting in my house watching that, and it was like, oh, it was awesome, but Ohio State was terrible. They hit, they had a bunch of sanctions. So, like, it didn't even, like, count, almost. Michigan was supposed to win that game. Going to this game, I went with my dad. I went with my sister. Um, both of them were like, there's no way they're going to win. I was, like, kind of on the fence. I wasn't fully committed. Complete. It was only a 15-point win, but complete domination. They they controlled, they controlled uh, time of possession, they enforced their will. They played. They played the way that Ohio State played against Michigan for the past ten years. They played perfectly. They didn't make any mistakes, or they limited their mistakes, and they won. And the fact that it was at the Big House with 110,000 people, with my family, um, the the monkey off of Harbaugh's back was lifted, but also the monkey off the backs of all 110,000 fans in the stadium was lifted as well as everybody was rushing the field. I got to go on the field uh, with my sister, but my dad, who is stoic and his per fists up in the air, screaming, let's go. And it, it was, I, I can comfortably say it was the best game I've ever been to in my entire life. Uh, and I, I don't think it comes, I don't think it comes very close. They finally slayed the giant. It was emotional. It was perfect. It was the snow was there. It was it was an incredible, incredible day. And now there's an opportunity for them that I get to see them in Indy play for Big Ten title and then also national championship in football, which I never thought I would see. Um, so very happy in that regard. And everybody on Sunday was giving me props like, oh, they did it. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> all so, your Indiana folks. All the Indiana folks. So was that too long, Noel? Was, was... Um, you're at 208. So. Okay, so you doubled your time, but it's fine. Okay, all right. So, but as as our title suggests, we are a Detroit area podcast. So we're going to talk about our Detroit area sports outside of college football because Michigan State also had, you know, a fairly good game and a third place finish. Um, but that doesn't matter because Michigan's playing for the Big Ten championship and they are not. So that's different different story for a different time. All right, geez. Um, however, we usually start with the Lions to just to just get things out of the way. Um, which is not going to be a happy conversation. I don't know. Well, it's it shouldn't be. It's no. It shouldn't. It's be. not. It's not going to be. Should not be a happy conversation. So we're going to start. We're going to start with the Tigers. Um, I had people texting me that that listened to to the podcast uh, talk about how oh I can't believe you gave Alvi the credit for the moves that he made and it started off great you know we were all i think everybody loves the tucker barnhart deal rodriguez did we talked about that last week we don't need to get into that um in case you haven't been paying attention to twitter or espn the hot stove is is nuclear right now it is it is it has been it has been bombed to bits 
Um, short stops are falling off the market like crazy. Tigers have been linked to Javier Baez. Uh, they've been linked to Correa. They've been linked to all of these people. Everybody is throwing buco dollars at people. Tigers were in the in the play for Robbie Ray because they weren't going to be in the play for Correa anymore. But Robbie Ray just signed a five-year deal worth $115 million with the Seattle Mariners. Good for them because they need another starter. Um, but that was one of their excuses uh, to, oh, we're not going to give Correa his money. That was one. Then they said Javier Baez. Now it looks like the Mets are front runners for him again, which thank the Lord because Javier Baez, I don't want anything to do with that guy at all. Uh, he's a flashy player, but he strikes out almost like at a 50% clip. We don't need that on this team, especially for that money. Um, Marcus Simeon, who was the oldest, but probably one of the better shortstop caliber type players. He signed with Texas for $175 million for five or seven years or something like that. Not only that, Texas signed Corey Seager for 10 years, $325 million. All of these excuses to not giving Correa the $300 million contract, they're out the window now. Correa is going to be worth $400 million for all we know because he's still the best available bat on the market and everybody's trying to figure this out. Not to mention this MLB CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, runs out December 1st, so we're potentially going to have our first lockout in years. So people are trying to get deals done. Also not to mention, Max Scherzer is making $43 million for the next three years at age 37. So... I don't understand the thought process between Chris Illich and, and Al Avila uh, that they're not going to spend money for all-star caliber talent. I don't, I don't, I don't get – who else are you going to sign? Trevor Story maybe, but he's going to have – his numbers are going to be diluted because he played all of his games in Coors Field where the ball just flies out of the park. Everybody knows that. That's probably why Trevor Story hasn't signed yet. Corey, Seager's, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon were on two separate ball clubs. And not to mention, the Texas Rangers may have been one of the worst teams in baseball last year. They just spent $500 million on a second baseman and a shortstop. Not to mention signing John Gray, who's also probably a comparable starter. I mean, he throws right-handed, but that's a different story. To Eduardo Rodriguez. Were the Rangers in a rebuild? Rangers were in a rebuild. They traded their star okay. their star outfielder, Joey Gallo, last year. They were they were ready to go in for the long haul. And now they just put... I mean, they smelled, they smelled blood in the water in the AL West. They don't, the Astros can only win the division for how many years, you know? And the A's just refuse to spend any money at any time. So they're going to not be good. And the Mariners were a surprise team and they started to load up. They also made a nice trade for Adam Frazier. So they traded to fill that need where they thought second baseman or shortstop was going to go in this, in this free agent class. My point is we, we, we cannot go through this argument that, we don't want to spend the money. We cannot go through the the Texas Rangers were a abysmal ball club last year, and they just outspent you the entire free agency period in a span of twenty four hours. Nay, with one signing, that Marcus Simeon signing was more than than any than any. It was more than the Rodriguez signing. 
and it was more than the Tucker Barnhart deal. Tucker Barnhart is the third highest paid player on the Tigers right now. Third. <laughs> and he oh, hasn't no. he hasn't played yet. It's Cabrera, Rodriguez, and Tucker Barnhart. Everybody else is nowhere even close. They non-tendered Matthew Boyd, which I guess we can understand because he's going to be hurt. We're not really sure. That's fine. I don't really think much of it. He was a bit older, but still, I think he's going to go sign with Seattle anyway. Stop. Everybody on Tiger's Twitter right now is livid to the fact that Al and Chris are playing poor when a team like the Rangers, a team like Seattle, a team like uh, the Mets. The Mets have spent half a billion dollars in the past 24 hours on free agents. I get the Mets are in New York, but the Mets, the Mets have a history of falling apart. The Tigers were on the up and up as far as development goes, but everybody was saying if they make a few moves in the offseason, they could be a contender in this division. The White Sox are probably going to win this division. They probably have the best team talent-wise, top to bottom. Who's going to finish in second or compete for that crown? The Guardians, who formerly known as the Indians, are... A, a dumpster fire. They refuse to spend money. The Royals are not good. Who's who's going to compete for this division? The Rangers smelled blood in the water in their division. They went out and spent the money. The, the Mariners saw what they did with what they had and said, we need some more to get to that next level. They made a trade. They got, they got the AL Cy Young Award winner. They locked him up for at least three years. The Mets said, we only have so much time with the best pitcher on the planet. we got to go out and get another star caliber pitcher. we got to fill out this roster. They went and did that, and they, didn't, they weren't anywhere close to the playoffs last year. You just spent an entire offseason saying, we're going to be competitive. We're going to build a competitive ball club. We're going we're to make moves to, be, to win World Series championships. I'm sorry. I don't know on what planet a Tucker Barnhart deal and Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be enough to put you over that hump. Because as far as I've seen, you added zero impact bats to this to this roster right now. And I would give them a little bit more leeway because free agency is still pretty early on. But now, you have to deal with the lockout right now. But you're a professional. You need to be able to realize that, hey, guys are going to fly off because they're going to want to like stand put and not have to worry about anything else that's going on. Uh, before this deal, before this CBA has to be renegotiated and everybody's locked out, that's on you. That's not on anybody else. You can't cry foul either because other teams are like, "Oh, we're just going to do it." The ineptitude of their free agent signings is what's going to cost them because they're not going to have any free agents to pick over. Are you seriously going to go another year without having any like a positionless shortstop playing every day? You literally have the best defensive shortstop out there, the best offensive shortstop out there who hasn't signed probably because he wants a lot of money, but he should want a lot of money because he's the best option out there. And not only this, the Dodgers just lost their starting shortstop. They have Trey Turner, who they could easily swap over to shortstop, but you think the Dodgers are going to sit there and say, hey, Correa's out there. I know he played for the Astros. We don't like them too much, but we have the money. We can give them money. You just you you screwed yourself over because now you have two options to pick from, essentially. You have Baez and you have Correa. And 10 times out of 10, you pick Correa. I don't care what the price tag is. 
those two players aren't even comparable. You just literally he... shot yourself in the foot. Didn't you send something earlier that Correa's probably committed to somewhere? No. Just kidding. No, I sent the I, read something. I sent the Seeger deal and I was like Oh, the Seeger deal. Okay. That's I read that and wrong. And it went over the price that they weren't gonna pay for Correa. Right. Okay. Oh boy. Have I guess this is just I don't know if you know the answer to this question. Have Illich and Avila always been stingy when it comes to spending big bucks in the Tigers? hundred percent. Okay. Like since since Mike died. Yeah. Okay. That was the reason we didn't sign Scherzer. Okay. Got it. We lowballed him. He went out and he had a Hall of Fame career. And we signed Jordan Zimmerman. Lit. I I, I mean, yeah. I, I will give you credit when credit is due. I like those deals. But I was thinking, just like everybody else, those deals happened to be an anticipation for what was to come. Yeah. Because you can say, well, Corey, there's, the, you know, they, if they're a rebuilding team, you can't put all your eggs in one free agency. Okay, that's fine. What's the glaring hole that this team has had all season long? The shortstop. Shortstop. What's the best free agent class this year? Shortstop. <laughs> what have we yet to sign when, when shortstops have been flying off the market? Um, I'll take shortstop for 500. Shortstop. Alex. And what happens next year when the shortstop free agent class isn't what it is last? Now you're screwed. You yeah. don't have any help in the minor leagues to play. You have Torkelson coming up. Sure, he plays first or third. You have Riley Green coming up. Sure, he plays a corner outfield spot. He could play center maybe. Who's going to play shortstop? Mm-hmm. Scope? No. I don't think he's played a game. you going to stick Cabrera at shortstop? Man can't even move. Condelario is a, a fantastic defensive third baseman, but that's a far different position than shortstop. Give the man his money. And then you can make the excuse, oh, we paid Correa $400 million last year. We don't have to sign it. Then I might be able to understand because you have what you have in your minor league system is three stud young pitchers and two cornerstone outfield or uh, first baseman and outfield bat. Okay, then maybe you can pump the brakes, put a put a starting uh, you know pitcher like sign like a lower level back of the bull, back of the rotation kind of guy and roll with what you have. Now what are you going to do? There's there's no direction. There's no direction. Everyone and their mom can see the glaring hole that this team has. And those guys are refusing to do it. Now, they're professionals. I understand. I don't want story or bias. I would have, I would have much rather had the 32-year-old Simeon. Maybe. Because at least I because. know he's... Because he can... He's had, he's had an absolutely unreal stretch. He was top two. Mm. He was top three in MVP voting the past two seasons. That's usually something that just doesn't go away. And he's pretty durable. Yeah. He played. I think he played in all 162 games this past season. So the guy, the guy is super good. You can at least get a couple years out of him. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I'm just I'm just defeated at the thought that we're gonna go. We're gonna strike out on this free agency class. If if Chris, if you're if for whatever reason you're listening, if you don't want to spend money, that's fine. And matter of fact, if you don't want to spend money, sell the team. 
get your money that way because you're doing fine with the Red Wings because guess what? Hockey payrolls are the lowest payrolls out of the four major. Yep. That's why they've been successful, and they have a guy who knows what he's doing. I would trust him with my freaking one-year-old son if I had one, you know? Then that's and then you can use your money that you get from the Tigers and pour it into the Red Wings and still be filthy stinking rich. Okay. What you're doing is not helping build a championship contender because you don't. Which ha- is something his dad really wanted. Which is something his dad really wanted. Like, I th- I feel like I remember reading one one somewhere in an article or whatever that Mike Illich is like one thing is that he wanted to see the Tigers win a win a pennant before he died. They got like in his tenure, and he, he got close twice. Yeah, and the second time he was struggling. I don't even think he knew what was going on in twenty twelve. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just dumbfounded. I'm 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 incredibly discouraged. Frankly, I am because it's it you're it, you're not building a championship team this way. Mm-hmm. You're doing just enough to get by, be competitive. You're going against what you said in a press conference. And now you just shot yourself in the foot. Oh, we don't want to spend $300 million. Okay, well, one team who is last place in their division just spent 500 on two of your options to fill that hole. Sorry. If by some miracle we sign Correa, what is your reaction going to be to that? Good. They okay. should they should have done well. This is even more. They should have done it before, mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, we don't want to go over three hundred million. Okay. In your options for under three hundred million were what? Seager, okay. Well, Seager just signed for three hundred twenty-five million. Baez, Baez, you could might get under three hundred million, but you're nowhere close to the same production. So I I'm thinking. They didn't want to go over the $300 million mark. Everybody and their mom knew that Correa was going to, was linked with the Tigers. And they didn't want to go over it. I'm thinking 300, $325 million would have, would have closed the deal. Okay. And now you're going to probably have to spend 380 if you want to get them now. Or, God forbid, $400 million if you want to make the deal. So like, I'd be happy with the player. I don't have to spend the money. That's fine. But now you just went from oh we're not going to spend three hundred million. Now you just spent a hundred million over the amount that you just said you weren't going to spend. And at that point, you right. have no you have no one to blame but yourself. I mean, it's just horrible negotiating. This is the same thing that we I was saying with the Verlander deal. You get prospects who are unproven. You get a guy who's the blue chip. You don't even know if his arm works, and you have to spend or pay some of the player that you're trading's contract. Because you thought you were getting too, the other team thought they were giving up too much. Horrible negotiating. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to tell you. Until Avila proves me wrong, I don't, I don't think he, I think he's in. I think Illich is handcuffing him, but also I don't think Avila is competent enough to do his job, frankly. Mm-hmm. And it's not. I'm not going to throw like some some names out there, like he's a buffoon or whatever. I'm just. I mean, at this point, it's just sad. Like teams know that you're you're an incompetent executive, and they're going to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. 
because now now Correa has the Dodgers as leverage. So you know, the Dodgers are going to offer me as much money as they want. They need a shortstop to fill that hole that Seager left, and the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Are, Ooh, we don't have anybody else. So. Just utter incompetence. Can't believe it. Speaking of utter incompetence, <laughs> moving on. Oh gosh. <laughs> Uh, we just passed Thanksgiving. I had a pretty good meal. How about you? I I had a pretty good meal too. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. I feel like a lot of a lot of Americans did. Um, and then a lot of Americans were also subjected to watching a certain football team play that afternoon. Gosh. Um, and as just a representative from the Detroit area, I want to say sorry. I'm sorry that we all had to watch that. I'm sorry that that was our Thanksgiving game because wow, like truly. Where do where do we start? Where do you want to start? Um, I, there's a there's a Spartan guy. I can't remember his name. Um, I'm gonna be of no help to you. I I know he's on Twitter. I his tweets come up. Isaac. Uh, his Twitter handles World of Isaac. I don't know what his last name is, but he's big Detroit sports guy, big Spartan guy. Um, <laughs> and he he tweeted. He tweeted, uh, I'm just trying to, I want to get the right words, but he's like, y'all are complaining that you have to watch the Lions and Bears on national television once a year. You guys should try to have to suffer through watching this team 17 or 16 games out of the season. It's like, quit complaining. And it's like, that's so funny, but also so true at the same time. Um, I mean, where where do we start? Goff starting. I mean, we started great. The opening drive was awesome. We were throwing the ball down the field, uh, completing passes more than ten yards. Awesome. And would you look at would you look at this, Noel? Would you look at hmm. this for me? Uh, both of the Lions' touchdown passes were over fifteen yards. They were. What have we been saying the past three weeks on this podcast? You and I, who don't have a clue about NFL football. <laughs> Maybe not. No, we've 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 learned quite a bit. Um, you know more than me for sure. But um, regardless, in the grand scheme of things, we don't have a clue about NFL football. What have we been saying mm-hmm. for the past three weeks? Oh, that you need to pass over ten yards in order to do anything. In order to do anything, and they did. They they did, and they looked like ducks. Goff still is not <laughs> healthy. Like I, they were like propellers. They wasn't like the tight <laughs> spiral. It was like blah, 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 blah. I don't know how I don't know how Reynolds caught it. I don't know how Hawkinson caught it. I don't understand how. Um, wow. Uh, but you throw the ball down the field, odds are some good things are probably going to happen. Um, and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were just absolutely ripping the Lions. Like, like I'm, I'm thankful that somebody is like actually holding this team accountable and it's not like, Oh, they're the Lions. They're going to figure it out. It's like, Nope, this team stinks. They were talking about this defensively as well. They made the point, um, they made the point that uh, the Lions' defense is keeping them into games because the offense is so inept. So the so mm-hmm. the opposing offenses aren't being as aggressive. Now here they they explain it better in this way. So the opposing offenses aren't taking shots or or more I guess uh, riskier plays because they know that the Lions offense isn't going to be able to match them. So instead of instead of, you know, second with you now. second and seven throwing the ball 30 yards down the field, 
okay, we can do a little screen. We can do a nice little uh, counterplay. We can do halfback toss. We can do all of these different things because Lions aren't going to stop us. And if by some chance they do, we're going to get the ball back in 30 seconds because the offense cannot do anything. I mean, the offense is the most anemic thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Also, your best offensive weapon and somebody who's been getting some national coverage just went down with a shoulder injury. You don't know how long he's going to be out. Hopefully yeah. Swift can come back. And we've been saying this past two weeks, he's had over 130 yards rushing the past two weeks. We were begging for that, for Stafford. We were absolutely, and you get it two weeks in a row and you're, you're 0 one and one with 130 yards rushing from one player? You, I, you have 130, I wanna, I wanna know the stat. How many 130 yard rushers from one player? What's the record of those football teams? I wanna know that stat. I should have looked that up before, I just thought about this now. We're still learning, this is an early podcast, we're not even a year in. However, I would, I would, I would bet just about half of my life savings that team has an over 500 winning percentage. Actually, no, I would bet my entire life savings that that team has over 500 win percentage, and I'd bet a half of it that it might be over 750. If you have one player with 130 yards rushing, that you're going you're gonna to be 750 winning percentage. I was just going to make a joke about your life savings as a youth pastor, but I won't. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> That's a different topic for a different time. Um, Correct. Yeah. And that's, the, I'm, oh, I'm not done. I'm not no, done. I know you're not. Go ahead. I won't cut you I'm off. I'm so we'll, sorry. We'll I just cut... keep the flow going. The final five minutes of the game, the Bears get the ball. I didn't even watch. I had to turn it off. Okay, good. I'll, I'll let <laughs> you know I didn't even happened. watch it. Please Bears, tell me what happened. Bears got the football with five minutes to go and 36 seconds. Um, Lions didn't get the ball back for the rest of the game. Oh they my. just they just ran, they just ran, imposed their will, and they got down to like the twenty or no, no, even more than that. They got down to the ten with like four minutes to go. That was the worst coached football I've seen ever. The, 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 the Lions called two timeouts in a row. You can't do that in the NFL. That's a five-yard penalty. That was on third down, by the way. So you call one timeout, you think you get your defense and everything in order. Um, but they didn't. They were confused. They were running around. Oh, what's the play? What's the play? How do you not know the play? You just called a timeout. You had a minute and a half to talk about it. What are you doing? And the defensive coordinator is calling a timeout unknowingly because they didn't know what they were doing and lining up for, so they call a second timeout. It goes from third and eight to third and uh, three or whatever the heck it was, and then you line up with your corners in the end zone. They only have to get four yards. They only have to get three yards to, to get the first down and essentially ice the game because you're past the two-minute warning at that time, so they can just... Go wherever they want in the field, stick it right in the middle of the field, and kick a 20-yard field goal. Why are you defending the end zone? Sheer and utter incompetence. Tom Fuller, whatever name you want to call it, horrendous. I am nowhere near a football coach. Nowhere near. I watch a lot of football. I understand it. My dad watches a lot of 
everybody, my grandfather, who's like 80 years old, who does, who's not as big of a sports fan as his son or his grandson, even my freaking sister is sitting there. Why are the corners in the end zone? They only got four yards to ice the game. Noel, what do you think happens? What do you think happens? What what oh. do you what do you think they do? I'm gonna say that the, the ball makes it to the end zone. I'm not I have no idea. I have no idea what they do. I'll tell you what happens. Perfect. Bears receiver on the slot and the inside of the field does a little slant just past the, the, the down marker. He catches the ball. First down, no timeouts left. Bears ice the game to kick the field goal. The game's over. This was an NFL football game. Mm-hmm. The next game, the Raiders and the Cowboys was played. And it was like they were playing a different sport. I saw tweets just saying, I can't believe that the Lions and Bears were just playing the same sport that the Raiders and the Cowboys are playing right now. Incredibly yeah. exciting game. Went into overtime. Raiders won, kicked a game-winning field goal. Bet you were happy about that, at least. I mean, I don't even... I've, I told you, I've c- completely bought into this godforsaken NFL franchise. <laughs> to your own detriment. I, I was... I was dumbfounded. Little did I know that the Lions were sacrificing this win for a week, for a win on Saturday, which is far more important and one that I'm much more happy about. Oh, my word. Had uh, nothing to do with that's it. That's how my brain works. I'm just going to roll with it. But um, I want this team to go 0-16-1. I just, I just want them to be embarrassed. I want... I want an NFL analyst. I want I want someone who has the balls to go on national TV and say that the Lions are an embarrassment to NFL football. And if they want to change that they should the Ford should sell this team. Because that's the only, that is literally the one thing that you have not done to try to turn this franchise around. The one thing. Someone get the balls and go up and say it. That the Detroit Lions are an embarrassment to the game of football. Because they are. Frankly, they are. Yeah, it's really bad. Really bad. Sorry, I think I think that's the loudest I've ever been. I, I was just... And this is like... <laughs> we're almost like a week removed from the game. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> yeah, you haven't gotten that passionate about nearly anything. I think the Alavila rant a couple episodes ago, like a couple months ago, was rival the level there. But... um. For how peeved you were earlier today about the Tigers, I'm surprised that the Lions came out that passionately. I, I'm like, I'm like, dis- and I think it's because you want it to happen a little bit more than you want the Tigers to happen. That's not true. I think I'm just. I've said my piece. I've already gotten mad about Avila, and like, I'm treating it as as such. Like, I'm treating it as such like I know that the Lions can't or not the Lions. I know that the Tigers can make the change, right? The, mm-hmm. I mean the the Tigers were like the Lions in many ways 2000 the early 2000s, 90s and then 2003 they had the worst record ever in Major League Baseball history. And then 3 years later they go to the World Series. I mean they didn't win it. They've won a World Series before. The Lions have never won a Super Bowl before. The Tigers are a team that can that have that have shown some success and have shown, mm-hmm. have gotten to at least the mountaintop without reaching the peak. The Lions haven't even gotten to base camp ever. Yeah, 
and there's no signs that anything will be any different. So I, it's it's more of like an insanity thing. It's like it's literally bashing my forehead against a brick wall, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to move with 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 the bones in my head. With the tigers, at least, it's like it's like bashing my forehead through a wooden wall. Some point that wood's going to break down, and my head is going to peek out to the other side. Brick wall, it's not going to happen. I'd die. I'd die if I kept doing that. Tigers, I might die, but at least I might be able to see a little bit of light before, before I before blacking out. Before blacking out. You get what I'm saying? You know, I, do. I just it, I do. It, I get it. It's it, frustrating, and that's why you have to approach this team like with no hope, with no expectations, because there is no hope. There are no expectations. It's 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 a it's a hopeless lifeless, directionless franchise if you let it be. If you let it just be a, an avenue which you can watch quote-unquote football and not care about the outcome, the lines can be enjoyable. But if you care about winning, you care about seeing some some progress, it's not coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. Wow, that's really depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> And on that note... I'm sorry. I cut you off like six times. No. I was so mad. I got to hear what you have to say because you said you, I, turned, you said you turned off the game. So like I have to. What, what I was did. The point? I did turn it off. Um, part of that was just uh, the inability inability to watch. Um, second was that my family was eating, so I had to had to cut it off. Um, but my family is not a sports family. I'm probably the only person in my family that actually cares about sports. Other than my cousins who weren't at this Thanksgiving because they were their in-laws. And so I had it on the biggest screen in the house in the basement. I I kicked the boys off of Halo. And I was like, I'm watching the Lions move. Um, And I should have just let them kept playing Halo. Because watching my 11-year-old cousin die 17 times in a row would have been a lot more exciting than this football game. Yeah. Um, And I'm sitting there and and the the kids are next to me. And they're like, so, so what's happening? And I was like, you know, I know how football works. I know all the rules. I know a decent amount about plays and stuff. I could not tell you. I could not tell you what they're trying to do right now. I have no idea. I have no clue. You see that guy? He just threw a pass. Did he make it? No. I don't know. I have no clue. And I feel like the one thing I texted you guys during that game, uh, other than the false starts needing to stop because that ha- we had like three false starts and like oh i didn't even get three times that. in a row um three holds in a row which which went oh from, yeah that too which went from second and like eight to second and 30 <laughs> i think it was 32 <laughs> yeah uh, just just yeah um so other than that the the only thing i texted was like when Goff trusts his receivers because Swift and Hawkinson were both doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. When he trusts them, they will catch things. The things that he threw, like you said, were not good throws. They were ducks. They, they were not good. They were low. They were high. They were wobbly. There was not a good pass anywhere in sight. But what did those two guys do? They caught their, their throws. They made it happen. Mm-hmm. And I just... If that's our only competent piece is two receivers <laughs> who need other people to do their jobs in order for them to do their jobs, we can't – There's th- nothing is going to happen here. Just 
I, I agree with it you. It was a showcase in incompetence. It, That's what it was. I agree with you. And the, the unfortunate thing is both those guys left with an injury. Yeah. Swift Swift looks like pretty serious. I don't know what Hawkinson's was, but like he I mean I wouldn't put him back in the game. You weren't competitive anyway. Um So what are you gonna what are we gonna do? Is Penny Sewell gonna run the ball down the field? Like what who I don't I don't know. I don't know. I they they have the right idea with things. They're trying to establish the run, mostly because they have no no choice but to establish the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just they, they constantly, whether it's the players, whether it's the coaching staff at the end of the game, they constantly, constantly, constantly shoot themselves in the foot every single time. Every single time. And it, it's it's disheartening. It's maddening. I don't know what you do. I pray to God that he shows mercy on this football team um, because it's very clear that, that this it's cursed because if it's not, if it's not incompetence, if it's not shooting themselves in the foot, it's horrible luck. Talked about that. It's, it's a 68 yard field goal with no weather elements. It's a, it's a another field goal. And in the another last two seconds of the game, I'm, it, it's, 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 I don't Man. think this is any a depressing Smith... show. It's a depressing <laughs> show. Outside of the first two minutes, it's a really depressing show. Yeah. I don't think any wordsmith with all of the words in the English language, of which there are more than any other language in the world, mm-hmm. fun fact, could accurately describe the 60 years of lions. Mm-hmm. It, in no amount of books or blog posts or tweets could you actually accurately and actively capture what it is to f- to be a Lions fan and to, to be somebody who lives in Detroit yep. and loves football yep. because it is just because you want so badly, you want so badly for a team that you can root for and be like proud of mm-hmm. and there's no sliver of that. That's why we're so in that. See, this is, this is the thing. This is why we love college football so much. Other than college football being super exciting. Yeah. We love, Michigan loves college football and has the rivalry it has because the Lions suck. That is my theory. I'm posturing it now. Hmm. That's an interesting take. I guess I've never really thought about it. I, I would agree. I, I think I would because it's like even. because Okay. I guess I don't know the college scene as much, but like where else do you see a rivalry that strong? Uh, you, you don't. Oh, in the South. Okay. Yep. But that's that's the South. So like people in the Midwest, like I saw something or I heard somebody talking about. It's like people know like if you are from the state of Michigan, it's Michigan or Michigan State. And then if you're Michigan, it's also like this sheer hatred for Ohio State. And then also mm-hmm. like if you're still in Michigan State, you still hate Ohio, the state of Ohio. Yeah. Just just because because Ohio I root for Michigan one game a year, and it's against Ohio State. Sure, of course, as as every good American should. Um, but. Uh, the amount of times I've rolled my eyes today <laughs> no, in regards on. to you. That's not even like, ah, oh, Michigan. That's like, no, I know that's, 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 it's a, we hate Ohio state. That, I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's what that is. Um, gosh, I, I was I, at a, con- no, I was at a concert the Sunday. No, it was a Saturday night. I was at a concert Saturday night and the guy who was like introducing the band, um, got up there and was like, uh, he did his whole like go go blue spiel spiel or whatever, and he's like, "Well, if you're a Michigan State fan in the arena, 
you can at least be thankful that you're not Ohio State. And I was like, yeah, yes, I can. I can be grateful for that. But that is my theory. I think think that we have that intense rivalry and we love football in that way so much is because the Lions have sucked for so long. That theory could gain some traction. Because since Michigan State got good, like, it's only been heightened, I feel. Yeah. And that's because the Lions have been inept and also bottomed out. Um, So, yeah, I'd agree. I think think number one conspiracy theory or fan theory. Perfect. My tinfoil hat. Your tinfoil hat. I think that's my first one. You've had a couple. I have. But at at least with all of our with all of our tinfoil hats and especially yours, there's there's a lot of logical thinking with with them. Yeah. I'm not wandering around outside the White House with a No. No, no. I don't know. With a sign, who knows. Uh that's someplace we don't need to go. Yeah. What are we talking next? Pistons, wings, what we are we talk, doing? We should talk pistons. Um, okay. First and foremost, Frank Jackson has a has a wonderful mustache. He does. Yeah. I am not somebody who loves mustaches because mm-hmm. uh, he does look a little I just bit. Don't. Like, he does look a little bit like Richard Pryor, though. Mm. The comedian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he a little bit, but that's okay. Still a great mustache. Sorry, but that's okay. <laughs> You're welcome to your opinions. <laughs> I will just not agree with you. Okay. Very good. Uh, I mean, the Pistons are four and sixteen, so like, I don't know. (laughs) It's not getting any better, is it? (laughs) It really isn't. I, yeah, no. Um, we're ending with a high note with the Red Wings, (laughs) and that high note is just kind of like, just barely. No, it is a high note. I mean, they did win, but anyways, Pistons. Um, I yeah, it's one of those things. I don't even know like what. What are you talking say, about? They're having, yeah, like, what am I talking about? Like, it, they, none of their games were very standout. Even the LA game was fine, mm-hmm. right? Like, we still didn't break 100, of course. No, we did. We did? Yeah, we did. I'm reading that wrong. We, we Oh, are you talking about 100. the one in Detroit or the one in LA? Either one. The one on Sunday, the one that just The happened. one on Sunday, we did break 100. That's my bad. Or Monday, I guess. but Or I don't, I don't even know what the day was. Shoot. It, it was, was Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, today's Monday. It was Good Sunday. Lord. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think the only exciting part of that game was the... I think there were two... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Two, like, alley-oops that were really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jeremy Grant had a tomahawk dunk. So, yeah, like, that was sweet. those were exciting. Those were fun to watch. Well, Cunningham is still uh, developing. I think what he had his yep. third triple double of the season he, last night. Is it his third or his second? I think I mean, it, was it was his third. Third. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, you got to put wins together, but still, if you're not going to win, at least let's focus on the development of these young guys. It's gearing up to be a very similar season to last season. The perfect tank. The perfect tank. See, this is what they got to do. They got to be bad enough to to draft Bronny. And then LeBron put in his contract, or like he he strategically placed in his contract to be up when to when LeBron will be in the pros. So whoever, it, the, the, but seriously, I was thinking about this last night. Whoever gets Bronny Jr. gets LeBron. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, one of the greatest players we've ever seen in the NBA. 
he's older. He'll be like close to his forties, but still, you're not going to want LeBron James at any point. He was still doing great at that game. Well, LeBron, like he was LeBron playing James, well. He had like so thirty like, points. And it's yeah. the Pistons, but still, he had thirty points that looked like he wasn't even trying half the time. Um, yeah, and like, look, the Lakers aren't great, but they're still better than the Pistons. Like, yeah, well, well, the Lakers are great in, in comparison, but uh, yeah, I mean, their season hasn't been right, phenomenal. Right. Yes, that's okay. what I mean. Yes. I mean, in like, I meant currently their season in the last two months has not been phenomenal. No, I wasn't. Them. I wasn't saying. I wasn't even saying like. Like franchise, either. I was saying like by comparison to the Pistons, the Lakers are great, and then yeah. by talent level, the Lakers are great. Um, but rec- well, yes, but they but the thing is, is that they're great old. Like they're a very old team. Yes, the yes. Pistons are just young and bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're yeah. gearing up for greatness. Correct. Um, I'm very impressed with Jeremy Grant. Um, as your as your team's only option. He's consistently, you know, putting up offensive numbers. He he played he played great in the Lakers game, probably because he had to. And I don't know how much of it is is like his skill set or the fact that he's the only option, so like he has no choice but to mm-hmm. score our points. But you have to find that healthy balance of like, okay, is this is this because he's actually developing into somebody that could be a star? in this league or is it because there's nobody else on the team that can carry, I think it's a both and it's a both and but I'd like to see which option is more and I think we'll figure that out maybe closer to the end of this year or or even next because he's he's here for another season after this one I think maybe mm-hmm. even two I'd have to look at his contract again um but happy with Cunningham we don't need to worry about Cunningham just just let let the boy play I've heard yeah. some things. Uh, some people say uh, Killian Hayes is a bust. Um, it's died down a little bit. It's died down a little bit. I but not I would enough. I would like to see more production out of him. And then I I don't want to do this because every time I say this, I have to preface it. As far as development goes, I'm not comparing Killian Hayes to Steph Curry. I'm not doing that. However, Steph Curry was not Steph Curry until like his fifth or sixth year in the league. Mm-hmm. It takes time it, for some guys. It takes time. I want to bring this up too. Peyton Manning, okay, and completely different sport. Um, <laughs> no, you don't think Killian Hayes and Peyton Manning are one to one? Oh no, actually, I think they're yes, the same. Um, Peyton Manning holds the rookie interception record in the NFL. Uh, I've, I've not a great stat to hold. Not a great stat to hold. My my Jordan Palmer, my football person that I follow, this other guy, um, who's maybe I should keep that a secret of who he's 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 like really funny, and also like has good insight with, but he's just he's just horribly raunchy. He's the throw god, is what he what he calls himself. Um, but in his in his in his rants and tangents, it, there's a lot of truth into what he says, but you just have to like look beyond it he Mm -hmm. he mentioned peyton manning's struggles his first year nfl quarterbacks they get one year now if they screw up in their first year they're written off okay what happened to developing players how many times in sports do we see guys like a marcus simeon okay marcus simeon was not an mvp caliber player until his 30s okay took him that long peyton manning wasn't peyton manning after his first year he led the league in, in interceptions 
at some point we have to say, okay, let's let this guy develop. He, he hasn't played a full season. These guys are saying, well, it doesn't take that long to figure out if a guy's a bust. It can take you a short sample size. Okay, that's fine. But still, we, we saw Killian go off in a game earlier this year. I believe he was our leading scorer. I think he had a double-double. He was like one stat line away from a triple-double, and I think he had over 30 points maybe or close to it. I can't remember who it was against, but let's pump the brakes here because we have some talent on this roster. Everyone's talking about Isaiah Stewart for how much he stood up to LeBron, but the guy can play too. Mm-hmm. He gets under the skins of Blake Griffin and LeBron James. Those are two guys that are pretty big names. I, I don't care that Blake Griffin's washed up now, but you get under the skin of LeBron James, you must be doing something right with your game at some point. Um, so, it, it, again, you need to see some production. You need to see some wins um, because that the final, I want to say, 48 seconds of that Pistons-Lakers game uh, you really needed some guys to hit some shots because um, Casey Casey drew up a nice play, but it, it, at that point it was too little, too late. I think nothing cut, was dropping. Nothing was dropping. Bay had an open look uh, that didn't drop, and Bay will probably be a little bit streaky, but also showed last year that he can consistently put some good games together. Um, but develop it is nice, but you you need see that development cash in at some point. I don't know when you're going to do it. I don't know when that's going to start, but it's very clear that this Pistons team is not ready yet. And I don't know I don't know what gets them over the hump. I don't know if you need to get rid of Casey or not. Um I don't I don't think you should. I think uh other than uh other than Isaiah Stewart's uh incident. I think they're a pretty well disciplined team. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're pretty well coached and you're getting, you're getting some good minutes out of guys, not consistently, but on, you know, it's like a next man up sort of mentality. If one guy doesn't do it, then one night, then somebody like a Frank, Frank Jackson, Frank Jackson shouldn't be doing anything. Um, but that's a name that gets thrown around. Also Diallo. And, and I guess this will be my case for, for case for Casey, which whatever. New um, segment coming soon. Um, uh, What's our, our friend of the pod? Is James James Edwards? James Edwards. James yes. Edwards. He was he was documenting Diallo coming off the bench, um, and like it was like a couple weeks ago, he talked about an altercation that he had with Casey. Is like Diallo got called out of the game, um, or brought out of the game, was not happy about it. Casey sat him on the bench, didn't play for the rest of the rest of like the game. Since that, he's come off and. Edwards has been raving about Diallo's minutes off the bench. Mm-hmm. That tells Diallo's a young player. That tells me that Casey or the coaching staff said something to him that got him in check and then ultimately put him back on his development path and then ultimately playing some solid NBA minutes. So that's a very small sample size with one player, but a guy who Edwards said, he's done, he's gone. You can look back at the tweet. Yep. Thought they were going to ship him out of here, turned that moment into something positive. So, yeah, I think the sticking point here is that it's just a young team. Yep, they're just they're all kids. I think most of them are younger than you and me. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but it would be hard to have that much pressure on your shoulders mm-hmm. as a twenty twenty one year old. I agree. Uh, 
And so, and again, we've said this before, the roster has not been a long tenured roster. I mean, most of them have been here for a year, mm-hmm. if that. Yeah. So it's it's just going to take time. And I think it's okay that this season is going to take another year to rebuild. Mm-hmm. If it continues another year, that's when we start having conversations. Yeah. You know? Get another, get some more talent, draft well again, um, and see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Um, because some young stars are starting to take over, but I think that will lead to some more parity in the league because I feel like I feel like over the past ten years we've seen the top top tier talent in the league go from like five guys who make a difference to now like okay ten guys are pretty close to each other instead of five guys being pretty close to each other and then there's this gap. I think you're I think you're seeing a lot more. Guys like Ja Morant, guys like Luka Doncic, guys like Jokic, um guys like uh Donovan Mitchell, okay, even Curry still. Uh those guys are a lot closer now than I think they were a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And where it was just five guys who dominated the league, now it's 10. And that number I think will continue to grow as like LeBron's and Durant's begin to age and get out older and out of the league so hopefully we'll see some some more parity in the nba soon yeah that would be nice that would be nice are we ready to talk about something good for a change yeah let's we need to upswing this real quick um if you're still listening and not completely depressed um we have some red wings to talk about okay um go ahead feel free i like how they responded I feel so. You know what, Noel? You, did you lead the charge? I'm sorry. I, I. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like I've just led everything and completely disregarded you. So not, I apologize. Not disregarded me. You just you're passionate. You have a lot to talk about and a lot to say. That's a very nice I way. Of, that's a very nice way of saying, "Hey, could you shut up and let me talk?" For we've been friends for a long time. I think I would just tell you seconds. to shut up. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. Um, so since we last spoke, they've only played two games. Um, both were wins. Both were wins. Both were wins. Both W's. The only positive in Detroit this week, honestly. Um, yeah. I don't have much to say. I didn't get to watch, um, either one of them. I have been the busy. Mm -hmm. So I will say that I was a titch stressed not a titch stressed uh i felt that the sabers game should not have gone the way that it did (laughs) we should have won that a lot easier than 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 they did yeah um yeah it was just one of those things is like i get the only positive that comes out of that yeah being an overtime goal is that lucas raymond got his first overtime Mm -hmm. goal which like we love we love to see it it was only a couple seconds in. He went through, he went around, not through. He went around all the defenders, you know, lined it up. Really nice execution. Mm-hmm. Kid's a beauty. Uh, yeah. He's also, I think he's, I, I looked at the rookie stats earlier today. And he is leading the charge by how many points? That's not what I want. <sighs> It's coming, I promise. The internet's slow. I'm waiting. Uh, he is leading 
by seven points. He is plus seven on everybody else. Wow. That's 21 and then 14. Four guys are tied for 14. Mo Sider being one of them. How about Three that? guys. Nope, four guys are tied for 14. Uh, yeah. And a question that I came up with earlier today. Um, it's so early to talk about this. I probably shouldn't even be bringing it up. But if we redo the draft last year. And we have first pick. I don't know why that pause was so long. Mm-hmm. And we like, let's say we won the draft lottery. Yeah. Alexi Lafreniere is right there. Oh, you're talking about Raymond's year. Okay. Raymond's year. Yeah, that was. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was this past year. Mm-mm. It wasn't. No, it was the year before. Who was this year? Owen Power. He went number one overall. Went back to Michigan. Buffalo Sabers. I'm insane. Um. Clearly, I've been paying very close attention. No, you're good. Uh, the the <laughs> NHL draft is probably the hardest to, like, outside Keep of that. Uh, well, maybe not. Second hardest next to MLB because there's just dudes you don't even know. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to Raymond's draft. Uh, let's say the Red Wings get first overall. Mm-hmm. We know how tedious... And specific Iserman is. Yeah. We know how good our scouting team is for the most part. How... Yeah. Do you think that we would have gone with Alexi Lafreniere one overall if we had that option? That's really hard. Um, I know. It's very early. And I, I understand that this is a ridiculous question to be asking this early in the season. That's very But do you think that that is something that Iserman had locked in? Was like, I want Raymond regardless. I'm going to go with no. Okay. So, solely because of this. Number one, um, who were the top three picks? Lafreniere. St- it was Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Raymond. Yeah, okay. So Lafreniere and Stutzla um, played right away. Mm-hmm. Instantly. And yep. outside, Lafreniere had a pretty meh meh or pedestrian rookie season. And Stutzla had a great year. Yes. Very solid year with Ottawa. And he was, he was probably their second or third best forward. Now, nah, that's too high. That's probably top, top five forward on that team. Maybe top four. Um, and then Byfield has, I think he just debuted this year. He's played well. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference I would say is I would I would take the Red Wings development right now as it stands with Eisenman and everybody over anybody else's. So I think if you put Lafreniere and maybe you maybe you don't play him the first year like the Rangers did, and mm-hmm. you play him overseas or you play him with the Griffins and you give him that time to season because I think the reason that cider is performing at the way that he is and raymond is performing at the way that he is is because they both had some seasoning down in the ahl and then overseas um to work on their game work on their craft and become nhl ready prospects stutzla and lafanier didn't get that luxury they just had to go in so it's it's kind of the same thing with an mlb uh uh not superstar but like a like a star who like comes out the first month of the year and head does really well as soon as you get tape on those guys, their numbers drop instantly because that's the first time that's like, okay, now they figured out how to pitch to me. Now they figured out some of my tendencies. How am I going to respond to that? So I think that's a little bit of what Stutzla is going through this year. And maybe, I don't know, Lafreniere just wasn't ready at all. Um, 
and he's going to have to develop from that. So I want to say I'm super happy with Raymond. I'm super happy with Cider, um, and I think their seasoning has done them well. Um, however, I would like to see what next year is like because we said the same things about Larkin, right? Yep. He had a great first year. Second year, not so great um, or not as great as the first. Um, so how they develop, and I think when we see those stats, like, oh, look at, look at the production this year. It's like, okay, all these guys are in year two, more tape. They figured out how to play them defensively. Um, I don't necessarily that's a I don't necessarily think that's a completely fair comparison. However, as where it sits now, absolutely, we'd rather have Raymond than any of those guys um, <laughs> right now. Um, yes. But my opinion could change. Be that okay? Here's the here's the eventual like here's the eventual fall that's going to happen with everybody. Sounds good. I just wanted to to posture that thought experiment. Sure. Something I thought of in the car on the way up here. No, I no. No, I like. I think we've all thought about that for yeah. a period of time. Which which would you rather have? Um, yeah. I have a, I have a couple of comments on those games. I got to go to the Wednesday game. Um, so when I go home and I'm able oh, to go yeah. to games, I do it big. So I went to the Red Wings. Spends game. a lot of money. It wasn't even a lot of That's money. What he does. It wasn't even a lot of money. Don't even worry about it. Um, well, I haven't even been to a game. Yeah, so these are my first two games that I've been to. So there you go. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the Blues game was great. Uh, Nadelkovich won the job as far as I'm considered. That man was making... Stands on his head, sta- that man. Stands on his head. And it wasn't even necessarily he was just hung out to dry. It was just like once the Blues put on pressure, pressure was on. Um, yeah. And he stood tall. He, he let in two goals, but still it was very clear that this was a guy that... Um, this was a guy that, you know, has, was worth every, you know, piece of capital that we traded to get him. Um, I don't even remember what we traded for him. It was just like the idea of Jonathan Bernier and like some random picks. Yep. Yep. Um, what is it? Poor Carolina. I can't imagine what they're feeling right now. They're like, they're doing, they're doing okay with, with Freddie, but also for the future, it's like, oh, we could have had this guy for pretty cheap. Um, but I was going to say, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, Larkin scored. Larkin's all over the place. He assisted on the first goal. He got the second goal. Um, and then I was telling my brother-in-law, I'm like, I could use an Adam Ernie goal right here. And literally two <laughs> minutes go by Adam Ernie scores. I'm like, whoa, perfect. So, uh, I will make one comment and I guess we can, if you, it, if you don't have anything else to say, I guess we can, uh, um, begin to wrap up a little bit too. Um, but in the second game, cause that game was great way to bounce back. Nadalkovich stole the job or mm-hmm. earned the job. Uh, in the Buffalo game, if we get production from secondary lines, cause the first two goals were Zadina on an unassisted goal and then Suter, which gave us the lead. If we get production out of our bottom six or, the, or our guys who are not in the top three of our scoring, um, we're going to win the majority of those games, I think. I feel. Um, secondary scoring is going to be huge for this team. And then Raymond scoring the game-winning overtime goal, that's what that's what you would hope from mm-hmm. a player of that caliber. And when you draft guys like that, okay, can we rely on you in overtime to be clutch? And Raymond showed that there. So, Yeah, I have no other thoughts. It's pretty pretty uh, simple week for the Red Wings, but a good one overall. Sure. 
Uh, and I'm glad we got to end this episode on a high note because that middle bit was rough. Absolutely. Uh, we, I don't know. Do you have anything else you would like to say to the no. people? I've, I've used all of my words today. I've, I've got mad. Words. I got mad. I got emotional. I got sad. I got, I got happy a little bit. So I'm good. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, for uh, following and subscribing. We would love if you would just take a moment and rate us and download those episodes. Share with a friend. Any help we can get, uh, we would love for our voices to be in more ears. And I hope you guys have the re- a good rest of your week. Yeah. Absolutely. Go Blue. Beat Iowa. All right. <laughs>